Um, welcome to Live Free Church. I'm Colby. Um, I'm just going to pray, and then we're going to get into um, a message. Uh, we're doing Advent for the next four weeks, and we would love for you in your your crew, your family, to be at a Christmas Eve service. Um, it's going to be a very special um, night at Third Space Cafe. If you've never been to Third Space, it's a beautiful cafe. Um, we have like a hot chocolate bar. Um, it's going to be remarkable. There'll be stuff for kids. Um, there'll be like a, a kid's Christmas story, potentially read by my daughter. So it's going to be a really magical evening. We kind of, we're excited for you and your people to be there. But I'll pray, and um, we'll go for it. So God, thank you for these people. I think about this season of Christmas and the longings of our heart, the things that we desire, the things that we make the ultimate things, Lord. Father, I pray that you'd show us how you should be the ultimate thing in our life, how we desire you more than anything else. Remind us today of your love and your grace and your truth. Amen. Well, a couple years ago, um, I don't know what you guys do for Christmas, but a couple years ago, I built a family tradition with my three kids. And um, I don't know about you, but for us in our, our family, birthdays are very significant. And they're always marked by one very incredible thing, a Dairy Queen ice cream cake, right? Like, does it, that's like for me, it's like you can't have a birthday in my family without having an ice cream cake. And so, you know, I was like, for Christmas, I'm like, I'm gonna go and get an ice cream cake to celebrate Jesus, right? And so I go to Dairy Queen, and I remember the first time ever, and actually it's kind of a fun thing to do actually every year when I go and ask for ice cream cake. But I went in Surrey to ask for ice cream cake, and I was like, hey, um, I'd like on the cake to say happy birthday, Jesus. And she was like, okay, happy birthday, Jesus. And I was like, no, 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 like, it's Jesus' birthday, right? So I pre-ordered it because I could pick it up Christmas Eve. And um, I remember going to my friend's house on Christmas Day, and I'm like, I'm like, actually, I have like this birthday cake, and we all had birthday cake. But it's funny to see people's reactions to celebrate the birth of Christ. And every family does different things to celebrate the birth of Christ. Advent, which we celebrate as a church, is a season marked of patient waiting, of joyful expectation, of soul-searching, and calendar-watching. There's no biblical mandate to observe Advent. It's totally optional, but it's a tradition that developed over the course of the church's history as a time of preparation for Christmas Day, a symbolism of, of light in the darkness. We light the candles representing that we're in a, they were in a dark season, and there's hope, there's expectation. Many of us find observing Advent to be spiritually challenging, enjoyable, and beneficial. It's a reminder that as the days become darker and shorter, that our gaze should be on Jesus. The English word Advent comes from the Latin Adventus, which means coming. The Advent, primarily in view of each December, is, the first, is representing the first coming of Jesus two millennia ago. It shows that people were waiting for a new king, Jesus. My professor in, in seminary used to always say to us, um, and he was like a professor of like, it's called intertestamental period. And it's like the one page, if you open a Bible in between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's one little page that divides the testaments. And the professor used to always say is, that represents 400 years of waiting. 
400 years of expectation, 400 years of longing for a king, for a Messiah to make all things right. You see, it makes us wonder, ask the question, when, what do we long for? What do we expect at Christmas? What are we waiting for? And I don't know where you were on Friday, but for Black Friday, I was like, I had a couple little things to check off my Christmas list. And I decided to pop into the mall at Orchard Park. And I pulled in and I realized it's going to take me forever to find a parking spot. <laughs> like, maybe you're like me and I'm so impatient. I'm like, I cannot find a parking spot. Actually, when I got into the store, someone said, can you just wait, at the, wait here at the door? Because there's capacity in our store. I had to wait again. I had to wait at the children's place. I had to wait at, you know different stores to buy different things for stockings and other things. But for, I realized for myself, it's so often that I'm impatient. I look at my kids, and when they constantly try to break me down before Christmas of understanding what they got for Christmas, right? I love like the thousand questions before Christmas. If you're a parent, you just know this happened. It's like, so is it this? Is it furry? You know? Is it you know, look like this puppy. <laughs> you know, like kids do that all the time. They're constantly trying to break you down. Because I think it shows so often in our own human heart, there is like a deep need for us. We have longings that we are living in expectation. I can't imagine waiting 400 years for something, generation to generation to generation, waiting for God to be at work in the world again, waiting for God to go from silence into moving into the neighborhood says in John's gospel. You see, Christians throughout the whole world have had their different ways of celebrating Advent, and some practical ways of this look like lighting candles, singing songs, eating candies, giving gifts, hanging wreaths. Many of us do all these things, but really what it's trying to do is, is celebrate, extend more than just 24 hours the fact that God became flesh and blood, moved into our neighborhood. You see, it makes me think about the things that my heart longs for, the things that I worship. Biblically, oftentimes when it talks about the longings of a heart, it talks about idolatry. And idolatry really is anything that's good that becomes the ultimate thing in our life. Anything good. It could be family, it could be career, it could be money, that could be good things that all of, a, all of a sudden become the ultimate things in our life. The things that we think, if we, if we lost these things, we'd lose all satisfaction and meaning in our life. But I ask this question for us, is what do we long for this year? Maybe it's a better job. Maybe it's more money. Maybe it's better friendships or a better relationship or a better house or a better car. You know, these things in themselves aren't bad, but we make them the thing that we ultimately long for. If I just had this my life would be different. If I just had this, my life would be so full and rich and meaningful. If I just had this, I'd be complete. You see, when we put our hope in those things, ultimately they always fall short. Every Christmas, every, every December, for my, me and my family, we actually um, do Advent together. We actually read through a book by Ann Voskamp, and we'll post it on our Instagram account, but I think it's called a Christmas, Christmas wrapping or Christmas gift. Another, another devotion we want all of us to be kind of 
tracking with or on board with um, is one by, by John Piper. We'll post all that on our Instagram. But every Christmas, my family and I, we mark it by reading a book by C.S. Lewis called The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I don't know if you've ever read that book. It's a remarkable, incredible book. And there's a line in it that I think just for me when I, when I read this, it always hits me. And the kids are going into the wardrobe and they're going into Narnia and they meet this guy named Mr. Tumnus. And he says this amazing thing. He says here, it's winter in Narnia, Mr. Tumnus says. It has been forever so long, always winter, but never Christmas. I think it shows to us a bit of our human heart, our human condition of the longings, the, the length sometimes of the season that we're in. This person I was, I was hanging out with this past week said, this is the longest, hardest season in my marriage. But I'm hopeful for something different. You see, it shows us what do we do with our longings. And I'm looking at the passage today, Micah, chapter 7, verse 7 to 9. And Micah was a prophet living and preaching in Judea during the reign of three kings, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. And here's what it says, and I'm, I'm going to read this passage, and then I'm going to come back and kind of camp out on verse 7. That's where kind of we're going to work through today, actually. But here's what it says in verse 7. I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Do not rejoice over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will stand up. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. Because I've sinned against him, I must endure the Lord's fury until he champions my cause and establishes justice for me. He will bring me into the light. I will see his salvation. You see, when you step back a second, we look at this guy Micah, this prophet, you know, he's speaking at a time which is about 700 years before Christ and 2,700 years before us. And there was a great political enemy of God's people in those days in Assyria. And Micah sees the Assyrians to destroy the capital of the northern kingdom of Israel in about 722 BC. But the most destructive enemy of God's people is the same thing now as it is then, sin. You see, it shows ultimately that some, so often it's easy for us to get our eyes off of Jesus onto things right around us that trap us, snare us. But I want to talk about these kind of three things this week as we look at our longings for Jesus this Christmas. On verse 7. You know, I want us to really kind of look at the three things which says, I will look to the Lord, I will wait for the God of my salvation, and my God will hear me. The three things, one is that we were, what are we looking at? How are we waiting? And what do you think about God's posture towards you? The first part, but I'll look to the Lord. Like, do you ever look at the things you look at? <laughs> like I saw in a movie the other day, and this person held this person hostage, and they're, they're letting them go. And then they bit, they said, you're going to tell no one about this. And the person said, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, I know your browser history. <laughs> and if you do, I'll tell everyone. The things that we look at. I read a book, and it's called Everybody Lies, and they say that the only truth checker 
in our culture is an amazing thing that we probably use as a, sometimes as like a psychologist is called Google, <laughs> right? That people will honestly put into Google questions and Google actually is tracking all those questions and puts them into a thing called Google Trends and they can like correlate and like check out what people are searching different regions and areas and they can determine whether marriages are struggling, how people want to be, how people want to parent their kids if they're struggling, different things about a pandemic or flooding because they can pinpoint the questions that we're asking. But this verse says here, I will look to the Lord. And I want to ask this question, where are we looking? I think as Christians, we should take up a practice of looking for God, looking for grace, looking for more and more of Jesus at Christmas. It's hard to look, isn't it? Isn't it hard sometimes to look for God's grace at work around us? It's so easy to look at other things. I think in the darkness, maybe it's just me, but you know, it hits seven o'clock at night and it feels like it's midnight because it's so dark, so early. You know, like I have to fight for the glimpses of light in the darkness at Christmas. For my kids, I have to fight with them to see the, the goodness of God's grace. Little things. But it shows in this verse the things that we look at. In verse 9, it moves on. It says, Because I've sinned against him, I must endure the Lord's fury until he champions my cause and establishes justice for me, and he will bring me into light. I will see his salvation. See, in a pit, in broken moments, so often we feel like that, don't we? I have sinned, and I must endure the Lord's fury. I must be in the pain in the pit. It shows us the things that we look at, the posture of our lives. People believing like, oh, there's just nothing good in the world today. I've heard that a lot in the last little while. The deep cynicism. You know, people saying, well, maybe God isn't blessing us anymore. You know, we realize that we look at our sin it's the wrong gaze. It's the wrong thing we should be focused at at Christmas. We should be looking at the one who champions our cause, Jesus. We should be looking at the one who establishes justice and brings light into the darkness because he is light. And you'll see his salvation. I've been running, um, in the last like six months, I've been running quite a bit. And um, if you run the same trail, I realize that you, see the same, you say the same things in different ways anyone runs. Um, and I start at Knox Mountain, I run to the hospital and back, right downtown. And, and when I cut over, right downtown by the dolphins, there's like a little like um, wildlife park. And sometimes I'd run by people and I'd, as they're taking photos, I'd be like, what do, you, what do you see? I'll pause my run and I'll like, what are you, what are you looking at there? Because there's bird watchers all the time down, right downtown at, at the dolphins. Is anyone here a bird watcher? No one? Okay. So I've done some reading. I'm not, I'm not a bird watcher. Okay, I'm just not that patient. But bird watchers go by the name called birders. I did not know that. Like, this is what a crazy thing, right? Like that's like a slang for their like little crew. And, and so often, I love that bird watchers are always waiting in expectation for something to happen. They live in constant expectation. 
I did some reading because I was like, who are these people? <laughs> who are these people with these thousands of dollars cameras of like sit waiting downtown looking for the perfect shot of, of whatever kind of bird it is? And they know all the birds even by like the sounds of the birds. This guy in a, in a New, York time, New Yorker article, John the Rosen says, as he descri- describes himself, he says, as, as a birder myself, I recognize the symptoms of being someone who's looking in expectation. I've traveled great distances to see birds. I've totted up the names of birds on lists and felt weirdly comforted as if they guarded me against oblivion. He says, I've listened to my bird calls on my iPhone. <laughs> like, so bird watchers are masters of noticing. They study catalogs and they actually know nature better than I probably know people who are giving me a drink at Starbucks. You know, like so often we don't see things around us. I think they often remind us, bird watchers, that glory sometimes comes by watching and waiting, by keeping out an eye for what most of us miss. Rowan Williams, a theologian, talking about prayer, and he's showing how prayer is so much like bird watching. He says, the experienced bird watcher, sitting still, poised, alert, not tense or fussy, knows that this is the kind of place where something extraordinary suddenly bursts into view. He likens this to prayer. He says, you sit still waiting for glory, for grace, for God's presence. He says, something, of course, it means a long day of sitting in the rain with nothing very much happening. I suspect that for most of us, a lot of our experience of prayer is precisely that. I think that living in sort of expectancy, living awareness that your eyes are not sufficiently open and your mind not both relaxed and attentive enough to see what is happening all around you, that this is basic discipleship for a Christian. One of my favorite authors, John Piper, says this, that God's doing 10,000 things and we're aware of maybe three of them. At Christmas, we notice God at work. We notice grace around us. See, we gather each week on a Sunday to pray through gathered worship, through the teaching of word, to train our eyes to once again notice things. Notice God moments. To notice the grace in each other's lives that overflows from Jesus. To notice the goodness of Jesus in a cup of coffee from beans from beans seen. To notice the light in the darkness when we light a candle. To notice. To prayerfully notice things around us. A voice. To notice our sin and how it grieves God. But in coming to God with confession allows us to be redeemed and restored. The first part's what are we watching, but how are we waiting? It says, I will wait for the God of my salvation. You see, who are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? And I think a lot of us in a season are so impatient. Like, aren't we impatient? I'm a pretty impatient person. Could be driving to a parking lot, 
could be waiting for a cup of coffee. We're impatient people. You see, I think so often that we have a hard time even just simply waiting for gifts. I know people that like, they'll open gifts and they'll rewrap them, put them under the tree, because they just can't wait for Christmas morning. Matthew 26, verse 41 shows us that Jesus is pleading with his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane to wait and pray. He says, stay awake and pray so that you don't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You see, I think some of us at Christmas that we wait, when we wait, we just worry and worry and worry. But we have to realize that, that Jesus himself was waiting for his hour to come. And why would Jesus wait? Why would he wait for his crucifixion? Because he loved you and I. In love, he was, he was waiting for you to come to know him, to see his grace. See, Jesus was left alone. He knows what it looks like to wait. He knows what it looks like to be left alone, to pray with tears and blood through long nights. Because of this, when we wait, we can enter into a relationship with Jesus as he knows what it looks like to wait. We can ask God to keep watch over us because Jesus never sleeps. I think it shows us so often when you think about from this day to January 1st, how impatient we are. I did some math this past week. And so often I think we're so overwhelmed and feeling defeated. And a lot of people feel so depressed and down at Christmas that so often people turn to substance abuse, to medicating. And not just with alcohol, could be shopping. Right, I'm always like, do I need this? Right? Like I got into the mall and I was like, came out and I'm like, do I need all this stuff? But I got there. I just wanted to buy more things for people I love. Right? I'm like, do my kids need more bath bombs? Probably not, but I'm buying them. Right? Like how often do we end up in the waiting, making mistakes? Because we don't trust who God is. I want you to know that if you're overwhelmed and feel defeated, to realize that this is the thing, that Goliath taunted Israel for 40 days. It's 34 days from now to January 1st. I want you to get a perspective of, of us in the waiting, not being able to believe what God can do. That Jesus fasted for 40 days in the desert. That the flood lasted for 40 days. That Elijah flees Jezebel and travels for 40 days. A lot can happen in the next 30 days if you believe in Jesus. If you reset your eyes and your gaze on Jesus, if you, if you actually start looking for God and his grace, not at your sin and brokenness, that you can do a lot in 34 days in Jesus. Let's watch. Let's look for God's grace. Let's reorientate our lives in prayer. But let's wait on God for our salvation. Right? Just like Jesus says to his inner disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, James, John, and Peter, that we're called to wait on God in Micah. We're called to watch and pray. This is the last question. Is so often at Christmas we wonder about what's God's posture to us. And in Micah, he says, my God will hear me. But I think so often is what is God's posture to you? What does he think about you?
You see, just like the quote from John Piper, that there's 10,000 things that's happening right now in your life, and you're aware of three of them. I was reading this book this past week, and it says if you have a child, right, 10,000 things had to go right for that kid to be born. Just think about that, how amazing that is. I have three beautiful kids, and for them to be born, 30,000 things had to go right. For us sitting in this auditorium in a theater, over 100,000 things had to go right for us to be here in these relationships. That's remarkable. See, how can you see the intricacies of all these people around you and not be aware of a God who loves you? That God created you for a relationship with him. You know, so often a relationship looks like the very end of this passage where it says here, I have sinned against him and I must endure the Lord's fury. So many people, when they come into a church, especially we planted a church in Kelowna, so many people said, man, if I came in the doors of a church, I would burn up. People said that to me, my friends. Like, I would potentially burn up. It's like, God knows you and he loves you and he's pursuing you. See, if you focus on the very beginning of that that section, that I've sinned against him and I must endure the the Lord's fury, you forget about God's grace. That I must endure the Lord's fury until he champions my cause. Who champions your cause? Jesus. Until he establishes justice for me. Who establishes the justice for us? Jesus. Who will bring you into the light and I'll see his salvation? Jesus does that on the cross. You see, this is a very like gospel summed up sentence in the Old Testament where it shows that you have sinned against God and you endure fury, but through Christ, he champions your cause and brings you into light and gives you justice and gives you salvation and gives you a brand new life. See, Mike is showing us to watch and to wait and to wonder this Christmas. Let me bring the band back up as I close this up. And one of the things I want us to do at the end of, of every message this season is to have a practical reminder during Advent. Because I think, I don't know about you, but for me, I'm a very practical person. And we want some practices for us to remind ourselves the longings, but ultimately, what's the better longing for? For Christ to renew, to change things in our lives. We have 34 days from now, January 1st, Are we trusting Jesus? Are we watching him? Are we waiting for him to be at work in our lives? Are we understanding who he thinks we are in light of who he is? So for the week ahead, I want to leave us with this, that we'd find an object that reminds us of our longings. Maybe it's, if we we long to see family this Christmas, maybe it's putting a, a picture up you know, on a bathroom mirror of a family, our family. Maybe it's um, a new bike you're looking for for Christmas, putting a picture of a bike. <laughs> Maybe you're going on like a holiday in February and you're like, I can't wait, you put your flip-flops. <laughs> but every time you see the longings, every time you see those objects, whether it's your family or, or whatever it is that you desire, Just quickly pray and say, God, I long for this, but I ultimately long for you more. 
This Christmas, I long for you to be light in the darkness, to pierce through the longings that are just earthly, and I want something that sustains, that lasts for eternity, and that's a relationship with you. Just a quick little prayer, but placing a token somewhere to remind ourselves of the way that we've drifted or the way that we long for things that can never truly satisfy us. Let's pray. Jesus, you're the thing that, that we long for and we make anything that. I pray you remind us this season that you, Jesus, your power of the Holy Spirit would show us how you're better than anything else in our life. I thank you for how you're working in this church. I pray we'd be a light in the darkness of Kelowna. Amen. Thanks for listening today. Please subscribe to our podcast. Share with your friends. We would love for you to join our movement. All you have to do is go to livefree.church to join us.